Another frustrating reality check for inflation-weary Americans, gas prices on the rise again, hitting their highest levels of the year. This is according to AAA that the average price for a gallon of regular unleaded is now 3.88. Last year it was 20 cents cheaper. We have CNN reporter Matt Egan with more details on all of this. I thought we got a break after Labor Day, Matt. Normally we do, Brianna. Uh, unfortunately, that is not the case this year. 388 a gallon, it's not just the highest level of the entire year. We're actually a full 30 cents above the price on Memorial Day when the summer driving season officially kicked off. You can see that on this chart. It's been trending the wrong direction. We are seeing lower inflation, which is why I'm wondering how you're thinking about the gas price move. Big jump in the month of August. Crude is back above $90 per barrel. The Saudis are extending the production cuts through the end of the year. Are you looking at taking any action on this front? Well, the president wants to make sure that gas prices remain affordable for Americans. Um, Americans care a great deal about the price of gas. Um, they're still down $1.20 off their highs last summer. So there is no blocking of production in the United States. So. We, we are continuing to move, and we will continue to see that happen. I do think, though, uh, it is important if we want to address this big question about climate that the oil and gas industry partner on the solutions to mitigate the greenhouse gases that are produced. The question for you is, what measures do you support to combat environmental racism and its impact on vulnerable populations? Yeah. There's so much there. I mean, we talked about it in terms of equity and inclusion and diversity, right? We need to, first of all, ag agree and acknowledge that there are systems that have been long in place that need to be reformed. So, for example, our criminal justice system um, and the work that we need to do to recognize the disparities that exist there. Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 149, Mike. We're getting close to 150 here on Tuesday, September 19th in the AEA studios. Tom Pyle here. It's a lovely day out in D.C. And? Oh, Mike McKenna. But that's not really important. All right. Well, uh, gas prices are on the rise. Saudi Arabia said, nah, we're going to keep those cuts. And... Secretary Yellen seems to feel things are, you know, they're 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 lower than they were a year ago. What what's the problem? Everything's Americans? fine. If you if you Nazi bastards what, stop talking about problem, it, everything will be okay. I you know it. The fact that we have to listen to somebody who sounds like like um, <laughs> be careful a, a very pleasant be grandmother careful. in the neighborhood talk about gas prices not yeah. being yeah they're a buck and a half they're a buck twenty off last year's and you should be happy for that. Dude, they're seriously a buck ten, a buck twenty, a buck thirty over what they were when you guys got here. And as my friends at the American Energy Alliance have pointed well, out wait, on wait, numerous wait, occasions, wait, wait, wait. don't don't steal my thunder here. Go ahead. Secretary Jenny said they're not doing anything to hurt to hamper domestic oil and gas production. That's what she told Congress. Yeah. That's what she told Congress. This well, morning isn't the first... our crack team crack. Our crack policy squad updated a comprehensive document that
that start out as a hundred ways. Yeah, President on, Biden and the Democrats have made it harder on a bet no whim. You didn't even think you could find a hundred, but there were. It like... went up to one hundred and twenty-five. Then we found one hundred and fifty, and now, ladies and gentlemen, since January twentieth, twenty twenty-one, there are one hundred and seventy-five specific actions that this administration and/or his brethren minions in Congress have taken to make it harder or to create roadblocks or to reduce the acres available to produce oil and gas in this country. And then they like to say, well, that's not going to affect today's. That doesn't affect today's price. It's fun reading. I recommend it. So we'll include this in the show notes as proof that she once again, just like when she talked about her stocks, May not have not been quite. May not have been completely completely candid up there on the dais. I was going to say, may not have been completely open and honest with uh, with members of Congress. Yeah. And then um, the vice president waxing poetically about environmental racism and the steps to to curb it. I don't understand. She was asked a specific question, which I find to be a bit ridiculous. She wandered off into criminal justice. I'm like, what the yeah. hell? She's she's really. Uh, it's all about systems, she's, kids. She's, you have no personal. You have well no person- prepared for every event that she attends. You, you have no personal responsibility for anything. Everything's a system. It's a heartbeat system. away, ladies and gentlemen, from the presidency. Heartbeat away from a heartbeat away. The guy from- who's a heartbeat away from. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go ahead. All right, announcements. I just have one. Um, we want to wish. Uh, Congresswoman Jennifer Wexton. Yeah, boy, that's tough. A, um, uh, as much goodwill and prayers as we can. Uh, she started out with a diagnosis of Parkinson's, which, you know, is difficult and challenging enough for, for people. But now uh, it turns out it's sort of a rare version of Parkinson's uh, that progresses rapidly and doesn't respond well to treatment and has no cure. So, yeah. Uh, certainly uh, don't agree with her policies, but we definitely wish her. She's a, she's a human like the rest of us. Absolute, you know, peace, and hopefully she can yeah, I, I, I felt bad. One, she said one thing in that interview that made me feel kind of bad. I mean, the whole thing makes you feel bad, but she said, you know, hey, I'm going to die, and it's not fair. And I thought, eh. Yeah. Eh, eh. I I'm, I'm sensitive that, to that thought, but I, I'm. That's a why me thing. It, you it, know, it, but, it, you, you got to get that out of your head. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, but again. Yeah. You don't know until you're there. You don't know. How about you? Any any announcements? By the way, one of our listeners said that, that they enjoy the show and tolerate the announcements and the sports and everything else. <laughs> so. I think I'd like to make an announcement. <laughs> if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. There you go. There's my announcement. All right. Fair enough. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm going to start out with. By the way, folks, Tom is Captain like, Obvious. Tom has got a sheaf, a sheaf of newspaper articles in front of him. It's like it's like forty seven. Well, well like we epic. may not get to them all. We got a short. We got a short window here today. We had lunch today. Um, Unlike other days, we're not eating. This is from Bloomberg, but it's you know kind of reposted all over. So this is a good Bloomberg or the bad Bloomberg? Uh, it's the I don't know. Not what's the bad do, one? Do you know who wrote it? Uh, it doesn't show here. Oh, you know what? Just read it. I'll figure it out. As it's it not on. a. It's not an energy thing. Oh, okay. Um, oh. Americans can barely afford homes, and that's a problem for Biden. Oh yeah, I read this. 
Yep. Record low U.S. housing affordability is squeezing home buyers and renters while threatening to spill into presidential politics. Uh, Milwaukee, for example, uh, in swing state Wisconsin, saw affordability deteriorate in its rental market more than almost any U.S. metro area in the year ended July, according to a measure by the National Association of Realtors. The region also recorded one of the greatest increases in mortgage burden among the 50 metro uh, in the past year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read this thing. You know what I liked about the whole story? It was the sense, I, I get the feeling I was in the Spanish court when Christopher Columbus returned from the Americas and announced that he had discovered America. I've got, I got a pathway to, to, to India, right? And, uh, and I'm just, are you? Are you just getting to this, buddy? Yeah. Really? Because I mean, where, well, it's where like been, the article been... we read last week, or the CNN clip about how oh, Biden has a tendency to yeah. tell fish tales to be fabulous. I'm just like, what, what, what? You mean price prices are high out in the market? Are you are you sure? Yeah. Well, it's you know beyond the the politics of this, um, and there's some survey uh, data in here, and our buddy uh, Doug High, Republican strategist has a, uh, a couple of quotes. The situation is that no one's going to no let go of a 2% mortgage if Let's, they have to swap it out for a 6% or a 7% say, or not, an 8% yeah. mortgage. So the, the, the supply is tight, right? No one's going to... Uh, and, and so prices are actually holding because there isn't any supply. There's no supply. That is correct. I don't understand why people have trouble getting that. Don't, so, don't 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 run the economy off the rails and you won't have some electricity, problems. gas, food prices, housing. Tom, I, I gotta be honest with you. Janet Yellen told me right before she offered me coffee, cake, and tea, she told me that everything was fine on the gas price thing. Just so you know. Well, on a lighter note, yeah. We have an, a, a commentary here from Michael McKenna in the Washington Times. I don't know if you know who Michael McKenna is. <laughs> who let that guy in? Uh, and Washington Times, of course, a, a partner, uh, podcast partner. Al Gore and illegitimacy. No one voted for net zero emissions by 2035. Are you going to at least read the first sentence that the lead? Al Gore, the former vice president, Nobel laureate, and tobacco farmer. You forgot. Go ahead. Son of Just oil. keep going. You forgot son of oil. Oh, you did. The guy who literally made his money by selling out Arab oil traders. Selling out two Arab oil traders. Two out. Two Arab oil traders has been making the news lately by banging his soapbox against the upcoming 28th UN Conference of the Parties. For the tragically unhip the parties, the COP is where the international quote-unquote leaders and cool kids get together and focus all their intellectual capacity on solving the problem of climate change. Just kidding. They usually focus all of their intellectual capacities on a handful of commas in the pro forma communique and deciding where the party will be next year. True. So, wanna <laughs> you want to elaborate a little bit? Yeah. So Al Gore's been, you know, because this thing's in Doha, I guess, or wherever the hell it is. Um, Al Gore's been banging away about how it's illegitimate because oil and gas companies are going to be involved. And, and it struck me, we we're talking about this with a friend of mine, ours, and it struck me that um, of all the people on the planet to talk about legitimacy... The guy who <laughs> at one time or another has been a tobacco farmer, the inventor of the internet, the inspiration for love story. Of course, he has uh, a plantation he, still in Tennessee. He Doesn't did, he have a beach house somewhere? Yeah, on the, on he the got West a beach Coast. house somewhere. Sure, sure, sure. Guy who probably 
other than the president of the United States, has the highest personal carbon footprint on the planet. Um, Maybe is, close to it, Secretary it, Kerry. Is, if it's, 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 it's neck and neck. Is lecturing people about the legitimacy of a process. And it's made me also think about the other way you think about legitimacy, which is legitimacy in a democracy grows from the a popular will as expressed in ballots. And none of this stuff has any of that. And I'm not saying it's a good idea or a bad idea. I'm yeah. just saying none of this stuff's ever been voted on. None of it. Not any of it. Not not our participation in the conference of the parties. Not who goes. Not net zeros. Not the Paris Accords. Not the Kyoto Protocol. None of this stuff's been voted on. The last thing that was voted on was the Rio thing way back in 1992. Thank and you, George. Thank you, George Bush. By the way, billions and billions of dollars. That's right. The and, and I, net zero emissions by twenty thirty-five or twenty fifty or whatever date they decide to call it eventually. That's right. right. And and if I was a Republican, um, were I a Republican, I would start asking questions like, "When are we going to vote on this stuff?" If if I was if I was a member of the Republican Congress, or if I knew anything at all about the possible transition to a Republican president, that would literally be the first thing on my list. We are going to send Paris and Kyoto to the Senate for ratification. We and tried. We, we, we obviously tried. we obviously didn't try we hard tried. enough. Anyway, that's legitimacy. You should. It's a fun. Here's my question. It's a fun read. Who in the hell cares what Al Gore thinks? That's the other thing, right? I, I, the guy's but, like until until our friend brought it up at lunch. I'm like, what? Al Gore? And in fact, like, in fact, you, after producer, he brought it up, do you even know who Al Gore is? After he brought it up, I was like, who cares what Al Gore <laughs> but thinks? But did you know – would you have known who he was if it wasn't a climate crusader? Yeah, I remember the, the election. Sure, the, he remembers back okay. 23 years ago when Al Gore <laughs> used to be somebody. <laughs> oh, and oh, those are the days when I counted chads down in <laughs> southern Florida. One last thing. Yeah. Well, you should probably put that in the foot in the in the show notes. One one other thing about the Al Gore thing, I literally got because one of the things I said was, "Hey, he's the inter inventor of the internet." Yeah, I literally got a half a dozen emails saying he was not it's the like inventor of the internet. Letterman, right? <laughs> like just... he said he invented the internet, folks. He said it. We know it's not true. He did but say he it. Said it. But but I'm like, uh, all these people. I'm like, and also he said a lot of things about I'm certain like, areas. Being underwater by now, which well, haven't happened. Well, but I, I don't. And even you care. know what? Now I'm upset. Now I'm mad. He made his entire fortune. I don't care. Off of this whole climate thing that he's been jagging about. No, he didn't. He's actually. Hanging out with he John. Actually, well, besides made, the oil he, money he inherited, was, hanging out no, with no, John. No, no, I wasn't Dorr, talking about the oil money. Up in Silicon Valley, I, I wasn't talking. They stop, put stop, him stop, on the board stop, of Apple. Stop talking. So they could buy their indulgences. Stop talking. I don't care about any of that. You feel better now? That's not what I was talking about. He sold his cable network to Al Jazeera. Yes, of course. Yes. You know, and that you can't help what you inherit. That's what your dad did, your grandfather yeah. did, whatever. But you can't help who you sell stuff yeah, to. Yeah, that's true. If you really have that much of a moral objection. But no, the thing, the thing that struck me is how could you get through the entire thing and not get the sarcasm in the inventor of the internet? I was having – Yeah. I well, not to be outdone, My our board member, Stephen Hayward, yeah. actually has an uh, opinion piece in I, I the New York Post. Did I see this? What was it on? Biden's tall tales encapsulate yes. the liberal mentality. By now, it's apparent President Joe Biden is a special needs child of political vanity. <laughs> Nearly all politicians exaggerate or tell tales about <laughs> themselves. It's practically a requirement of the occupation, an expression of their typically large egos and ambitions. 
But Biden abuses the privilege, serially plagiarizing the words and experience of others throughout his career and telling easily falsified stories about himself. He's the political equivalent of Z-League, Woody Allen's famous shape-shifting character who transformed into whatever ethnic group he happened to stand next to. Uh, and then, he, of course, he, he recalls... Do you know who Woody Allen is? Yeah, of course. Okay. He recalls all of the, uh, you know, many ways that Joe Biden... There's only has, one that uh, I... There's only one that I really resent. Yes, sir. You know which one. Which one? I don't remember which one. That, that he, he claimed to be a University of Pennsylvania oh, professor. Yeah, professor, right. Yeah, that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your this is your weekly reminder that Joe Biden has no affiliation with the University of Pennsylvania that he was did he and his cronies did not purchase. <clears throat> In other words, he 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 the Pens, the Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania is paid for by his pals, and he was on faculty because he was because he was paid for by his pals, and not because he's a scholar or a genius or any of that other hoorah. And so also, don't send your kids just, to Japan. Just to close on Stephen's pieces, yes. Democrats don't have a monopoly on mythical stories. Ronald Reagan often drew criticism from telling stories that didn't hold up under scrutiny. But there's a telling difference in the kind of tall tales Reagan told and the kind liberals tell. Reagan's embellished in mythical stories with one ambiguous and contested exception, which I need to figure out what that one is, were never about himself, but always about America and the greatness of the American character. By contrast, Biden boasts Bidenomics is just another way of saying restoring the American dream. The false stories of liberal politicians are usually about themselves and how great are their thoughts and deeds and experiences, et cetera. So, Where the hell's corn pop when you need them? So, uh, it is true, though. There's a lot of I, President Obama said I a lot and my and me and my and I and me and of my. Course, so. Of course. <laughs> these, these guys are politicians. All right. It, 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 that one of the really, really bad things about going to hell is you're going to see all these people there. Yes. It, it, like, you're going to live in Washington for your whole oh, life. That's what hell's going to be like. Yes. Some of us can get out and pop back in when we need to. No, it's going to be everybody who couldn't stand here. They're going to be there waiting for you when you get there. Look, Go ahead. here's the deal. All right. <laughs> this is not a joke. No Hunter joke. Biden strikes back. Wall Street Journal, Hunter Biden sues IRS for alleged breach of his privacy. President's son says agents illegally aired details of tax probe to Congress and media. Uh, let's see. Has he acknowledged his daughter yet? In a 27-page lawsuit, Hunter Biden's lawyers centered on the pair of IRS agents, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, who have said Justice Department officials slow-walked and stymied the investigation into the president's son. The younger Biden's lawyers argue that in airing concerns about the handling of the criminal inquiry, the two agents disclose information that federal law deems should be kept secret. Noting that Hunter Biden is the president's son, the lawyers wrote, Mr. Biden has no fewer or lesser rights than any other American citizen, and no government agency or government agent has a free reign to violate his rights simply because of who he is. That's true. I agree with that. Yeah, as, 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 as he, as he acknowledges, <laughs> I, I wonder if he got any... Special treatment, treatment uh, at any point in his life. You know, I, I, so I don't know. I, I feel bad for him. I, I, I feel bad for him because he's obviously completely lost and his old man hasn't helped him at all over the course of his life. But he's but a I, pal. He's a loves, dad, he loves his son. He's just, you know, somebody who really, just a man who loves his troubled son. Somebody Mike. who really, somebody who really Come loved on. his kid would do something about it. And I would point out that his, his, 
granddaughter, the president's granddaughter, got to, I think, six, six before the family acknowledged her and embraced her. What the hell's wrong with these people? All right. So speaking of President Biden. Speaking of my favorite he family. was apparently at a fundraiser oh, in New boy. York. Yes. This is from AP News. <laughs> Biden tells a Broadway theater packed for fundraiser that Trump is determined to destroy the nation. Really? Yeah. Uh, packed Broadway theater full of big name stars hosting a fundraiser in his honor that he was running for re-election because Donald Trump was determined to destroy, to destroy the nation. Let there be no question. <laughs> Donald Trump and his MAGA Republicans are determined to destroy American democracy, he said, referring to the former president's slogan, Make America Great Again, and I will always defend, protect, and fight for our democracy. I will not side with dictators like Putin. Maybe Trump and his MAGA friends can bow down, but I won't. I'm sorry, didn't, didn't, really? Yeah. So, I, okay. I figured this out. Yeah. When was the last time they had elections in Ukraine, by the way? Re Just while we're talking about dictators and stuff. Replace democracy with Democrats. <laughs> Come on, don't be mean. No, no, seriously. In everything that they say about Trump. Well, I mean, look, you, this, you know, you know, you know the definition of democracy now, what it is now. It's not the process; it's the outcome. Yes. And anything that's and any outcome I don't like is yeah. anti-democratic. That's right. And any outcome that I don't like, I'll ignore. For example, now two Biden nominees that couldn't make it through the Senate process are running agencies that they were nominated yeah. for and rejected by the Senate. Sure. And Carlson at Nitsa, who is working on the cafe rules, and we're fighting in the Save Our Cars Coalition. And now the EERE dude. I don't know him, but I know Because Joe the Honorable Daniel Simmons, nobody can re apparently replace the Honorable da Daniel Simmons at EERE. He got basically rejected and they put him in. Yeah, same with Joe Goffman at DOE. It, at EPA, rather. It happens Mr. all over Joe, the place. Mr. Biden, I thought he was a Senate guy. Yeah, I thought, well, he, I thought he respected the rules I mean, of the it's Senate. It's democracy, dude. It's democracy. I, I, whatever. I'm not worried about it. I'm 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 super glad that that's going to be the argument of the day because I think people are just like, are you for real, bud? All right. So the Fetterman rule apparently is now in full effect. This is so from Axios. Schumer ditches Senate's informal dress code. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not in favor of this at all. But Chuck Schumer quietly has directed the Senate Sergeant at Arms to no longer enforce the chamber's informal dress code for its members, why it matters. The new directive will allow John Fetterman, who tends to favor gym shorts and hoodies over the business attire re traditionally required in the chamber to linger on the Senate floor before and after votes. Quote, senators are able to choose what they wear on the Senate floor. I will continue to wear a suit. Um, here's an, the interesting thing. The rule goes into effect this week. It applies only to the senators, not staff members or uh, others who uh, enter the Senate chamber. It's ridiculous. I, I'm, this is it, of, of everything that gets done. This is this is the most emblematic of the deterioration of the republic. I, I, I you, know, you know, the first thing I when the first thing literally when I heard about this this morning, the first thing I thought was was Gaius Germanicus, right? Uh-huh. 
better known as Caligula, yeah. right? which is just Latin for a little boot, right? Small yeah. boot. Yeah. You know, Gaius Germanicus would routinely tell senators that he could make his horse a senator if he chose to, right? There's no evidence that he actually did it. But we have arrived at the Gaius Germanicus moment where just like people are like, it's the Senate. Who cares? You know, who cares, man? Just show up in gym shorts. That's thought one. And then the second thought I had is the great and sovereign Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, once the, the most important state uh, in the let's, country. Let's not, let's not get too crazy. It's here. true. One, you know, it, it is a, has a, now a become critical. Yes. Is now represented by a village idiot and a guy who can't apparently manage a tie. That's exactly who they're represented by in the United States Senate. And they got Joe Biden sitting there at the University of Pennsylvania, Scranton. this stupid Biden center. Scranton. He's a Scranton man. Oh, God almighty. Pennsylvania. Keystone State, house. ladies and gentlemen. So, okay. So, yeah, people had things to say about this. I bet they did. But and this is a... You know, my, you know my favorite is? They try to blame Kirsten Cinema for it. Yeah. Like somehow... She she's wore a, the sleeveless... She's sleeve. a little bit out there. But you know what? She always, when, when asked to change, she always... Did yeah. something. She put a shawl or something on, right? Okay, so I've, I've found this clip and I want to play it because I have a criticism and I'm really like torn about this because I like the guy and I want him to like, you know, be successful. But. But. So I don't. Did you guys hear the U.S. Senate just eliminated its dress code because you got this guy from Pennsylvania who's got a lot of problems. I mean, let's just be honest, like how he got elected. Well, I, I mean, he got elected because they didn't want the alternative, but um, he wears like sweatshirts and hoodies and shorts, and that's his thing. So he would campaign in that, which is your prerogative, right? I mean, if that's what you want to do. But to show up in the United States Senate with that and not have the decency to put on proper attire, I think it's disrespectful to the body. And I think the fact that the Senate changed the rules to accommodate that, um, you know, I think looks speaks very poorly uh, to how they consider that. Look, we need this country. We need to be lifting up our standards in this country, not dumbing down our standards in this country. And this is an example why. All right, that clip was fifty-five seconds. Yeah, I was it could say, have been. It was a fourteen. It was. A, it's a perfect encapsulation of why he's having trouble. I just. I. It's a perfect encapsulation. I mean, somebody it's, needs to like. It, the right answer is the right answer is, this guy's an embarrassment. We we need to be lifting up our standards. The beginning and the end. The middle and the end. Yeah, just like cut out all that stuff in the middle. This guy's an embarrassment. We need to do better on our standards. It, that's the thing about the governor. He gets all the good stuff. It's just that Harvard chaff all in mixed in yes. with it. You're just like, dude, this is why this is why you should never vote for anybody who graduated from Harvard. Can you get a <laughs> listen to this? Have you think hey, hey, who was the last Harvard guy we let Wasn't be president? Kennedy? Obama. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Obama. And what if we had there. to sit there and listen to him lecture us, just throw words at us until eventually you're like, I'll just give you a hundred bucks if you stop yeah. talking. Yeah. It is it is a it's a challenge for 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 the governor. This is going to prevent him from cutting through um, if it's not too late. Anyway, it's so, not too late. Nobody's so voted. The, nobody's the, voted yet. So it's not too so late. So the debate is happening, and Trump is not going to the next debate. Yeah, he said He's he was counter programming. He will be in Michigan, rallying the auto workers who are now in targeted strikes. 
over the uh, over the you know desire to get more pay and more uh, hour less hours and all the other stuff that they're looking for against the auto companies. Biden is siding with them. They're making all this money. They're making all these profits. They need to share it. And J.D. Vance actually had an interesting take on all of this. He said the UAW has a unique opportunity in the negotiations to to put an end to the charade about EVs. So yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. They're not going to. No, of course not. They're not going to because the leadership is totally bought by the bought by the, the Democrats, yeah. right? So, yeah, they're not – he's totally right. J.D.'s right. Like he's on a lot of things, but he – it's not going to happen. What's going to happen is we've seen this. We've seen this before, right? In the in the, um, I can't remember the year. And somewhere in the nineteen sixties and late nineteen sixties, the United Mine Workers in nineteen forty six, the United Mine Workers of America had a million members. Okay, as you woke up this morning, they had less than a hundred thousand. Um, in the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventy. No, it was the 1970s, like 74, 75. The long wall uh, mining machine started to come in, and the the Ummo guys ran a strike against it because it was obviously a threat right to their jobs, right? Same, same, right? Same exact thing. And here's the deal that was struck. And I think here's the deal was gonna get we're gonna get struck with the UAW and this thing. Uh, that no current miner would be fired, but they wouldn't hire anybody else. And if you think about it, that's the deal that we're waiting to make because if you also think about it, all the non-unionized shop in Autoland are all the EV guys. Yep. Well, that's where all the growth is. Yeah. And so so I think the deal is going to be fine. We'll continue to pay you through retirement, but we're not going to let you expand anymore. And that's why the UMWA, the United Mine Workers used to be the most powerful union in the country. And now they they can't do anything. And UAW is going to be that way in thirty years unless they do something right here. Well, right is what, in your opinion? We're not going to build your cars. We're not going to build your electric vehicles. That's nonsense. We're so not you do build. agree with JD? Yeah, sure. That, that, that's what should. This be. is the that's, moment. That's the, 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 right. the, what here, here's here's the problem, right? This is the moment. It's not going to happen again. Yeah. You well, know. the other problem is. Like, for example, uh, last week with the successful House vote to prevent the state to prevent states yeah. from banning internal combustion engines. Yeah. The last minute UAW endorsed a uh, voted uh, went, the, or, wrong went the wrong way. And yeah, so that's they right. opposed the, yeah. the legislation showing you the extreme divide between the cozy relationship with the union bosses and the Democrats in, in town. Because that should have, they should have stayed out of it, or they should have endorsed. They the should have endorsed. Billy, sure, but you, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing, and this is by the way, eight Democrats, eight right, crossed over. That's right, eight, including right. four from states that followed California, and one of of which one was a Californian. Yeah, it. it, it so this it, is a huge. Like that's a, you guys think eight Democrats? Whoa, you know what's the big deal? In this climate, that is a. Alarm bell. We got we got we got eight Democrats to amend the Clean Air Act. Let's put it that way. Yeah, exactly. but you know, the, here's two two things before we walk away from this. Right, one is yeah. this is a long wall mining moment. Right, if if the long wall machines um, had not come in in the seventies, the Umwa would still be a power power fort a powerhouse. Um, the difference is, of course, the long wall machines were an improvement and they weren't getting mandated by the government. But it's it's a thing, right? You got to stop it. You got to stop it early. And then the other thing is, President Trump is 
um, you know, maybe making a mistake here because at the end of the day, the workers, unions care about unions. Union workers care about unions. They don't care about any other thing. So if there's a deal that's out there and they get paid enough and they get assurances about retirements and whatever, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to eat it all. Yeah, that's short, short term. It doesn't matter. Right. They're going to eat it all. And, and, you know, the, the more the more President Trump talks about it, you know, the further out he gets in there, the the more it's going to look bad when they come up in two weeks and say, we got bought off, so we're all good. Yeah, Peace. We're all happy, right? And that's exactly how it's going to happen. They're going to get bought off because there's a lot of money floating around right now. Administration just gave these guys $15 billion. billion. Fifteen all in. There was an additional three and a half. Yeah. Well, 12, that's just the – that is just the that, loans. Yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. that doesn't include the billions <laughs> of dollars in subsidies. That doesn't include all. Well, the thing about these fifteen billion dollars, when you actually went in and saw what they were, what they were for, those fifteen billion dollars specifically for personnel and retraining and all that other hoorah, right? right? So you can just be plugged right into this thing. And and the twelve billion, the string is, is that you have to retrofit your plant. Yeah. To make only EVs. Yeah, make only EVs. Yeah. So 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 it's literally like um, extortion. It, that's right. right? It's, it's a way to unionize the, the. It's a way to unionize these plants. The the funny thing is, I was telling this to a customer, and, and the customer's like, "Where's this money coming from?" I'm like, "The federal government." Yeah, but out of what pot? I'm like, <laughs> "What conceivable difference does right, it make to you?" Right? It, it's your pot. It's your right? right. It's your it's your pocket. It's your pocket, and yeah. All right. So California Governor Newsom is making waves in New York. Because he doesn't seem to want to spend any time trying to fix the problems in California anymore. Yeah, I'm with him. So he announced they're, they're this tough. big lawsuit. Him and his AG are now suing all the majors, including API, for misleading and lying to the public about climate change. And he also announced uh, that he is going to sign a bill that requires large companies in California to, quote, disclose gas emissions. So uh, tier one, tier two, and tier three. So because because California leads, sure, Mike, they do. California leads, and he's not going to sit they, around they, and wait they, for all you mopes up in in Washington. They lead. They to lead. Get the job done. They lead on income inequality and adult um, illiteracy and out migration of the native population and immigration of. Uh, those who are in country illegally, they lead in a lot of different ways. So big lawsuit. I'm not sure he means it that way, they, though. They're lying. Yeah. They, they, they misled the public. They're false advertising. Yeah. Uh, biggest jurisdiction in the world suing the oil oil companies yeah, for their uh, mis, you know. misdeeds. Whatever. Okay. I just want to remind folks <laughs> that a few weeks ago, we had an article that said Gavin Newsom announces to plant uh, – to keep three gas plants running, Shut natural up, gas plants. Shut up. Running in the state of California for fear of can you be a blackouts? And, can you be and, a... and not having enough power to provide? So is he going to sue himself? I was going to say, can you is be a he plaintiff? A, part, a plaintiff and, and a defendant, defendant yeah. in his lawsuit because he is a climate denier apparently as he well. He's a climate denier. So these guys, I'm telling you. I love Gavin. And okay. He's like my favorite American politician Another now. quick one on cars. And we've been saying this, and it's true. And that's why we have the Save Our Cars Coalition, savecars.org. Check it out. Uh, sign up. Get all this great information. 33 national and state-based organizations are in this coalition to fight 
for American consumers to be able to buy the cars that they that best suit them. But apparently we're just, you know, stirring up controversy because we're not they're not trying to ban cars. <laughs> so this is a tweet from uh, am I going to say this right Jigger? Jigger Shaw? Yeah. Who's Jigger Shaw for our audience? Jigger Shaw runs the loan guarantee office in uh, the Department, Department of Energy. US Department of Energy. So he's given out all these billions of dollars to the auto companies to switch to EVs, right? Yep. Okay. So in a Twitter exchange, uh, some dude said, I don't think urbanist slash environmentalist slash transit Twitter, whatever that is, has internalized the fact that in 10 to 15 years, American suburbs are all going to have EVs, consume renewable energy, be bustling due to WFH, which work from WTF. home. Oh, yeah, that's right. And will therefore be vibrant and sustainable neighborhoods. Instead of what? It sounds like utopia. What are they now? It sounds exactly like it's what they are now. Reorder, reorder. A, a I'm sorry. Who, who, who wrote is this? Jigger Shaw wrote this? No, no, no. He, no, this was a, a gentleman wrote this. And no. Jigger Shaw replied, and this is why I wanted to read it. Yeah. Replacing all of the vehicles in the world with EVs is not sustainable. We need to invest in micro mobility, new ownership models better urban planning models and other improvements, we need to improve on the current 4 to 6% utilization rate of our current car fleet. Does that sound to you like he wants fewer Americans I want to, to thank, be, be owning a vehicle? I want to thank uh, Mr. Shaw. I want to thank Mr. Shaw for making our case for us that this is not about electric vehicles. It's not about climate change. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about taking your cars away. It's about taking your cars away. Thank you, Mr. Shaw. Feel free to come on the podcast anytime. We'd love to have a conversation with you about, uh, about. Uh, let me read this just real quick, uh, micro mobility. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm topping out around 165 <laughs> nowadays. So. Micro mobility to me is uh, like new ownership models. A... In other words, you're not going to own anything. Better urban planning models. And I'm going to come in handy south of the south of the James River, south of Richmond, as we like to say here in America. And other improvements, improvements, improvements. Replacing all the vehicles in the world with EVs is not sustainable. We agree. This is so exciting. I'd have, I, I knew I would get a, get a smile and a I sparkle in your eyes. I didn't think anybody in the I Biden administration that. was gonna was gonna be on board so soon. Good for you guys. So uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. jumped just lost the conservatives. He he was working on courting these, you know, anti-vaccine, you know, crazy mega Trumpers. Yes. And in a rant about plastics, uh, in a you know one of these tweet thingies. What do they call producer? The, Twitter the, the storms. Twitter something or other. Tweet, Tweet thread. thread. Number seven. Number seven. In order to combat plastics. Number seven. I will emphasis ban fracking, which provides the feedstock for most of the plastics produced in the U.S. Yeah, so not actually. Kennedy just lost all of the courtship that no. he was seeking. A and B, it's dumb because he can't ban fracking anyway. It's not actually true. So. It's not so actually true either. Tweet. Um, yeah. I, well, I'm going to read something in a second when you turn to me. Go ahead. What else we got? Uh, well, let's turn to you. And then uh, I forgot this day in history, and I want to rattle through those at the end, and then we'll close. How's that? Okay. One of mine is a day in history. Okay. 
Let's um, do this day in history. You start. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, on this day in history, I'm going to read you something and you're going to tell me who said it. Okay. Ethanol is terrific, especially with the new process, and I am totally in favor of ethanol 100%, and I will support it. You know, I don't support fracking when any locality or state is against it. I don't support it when, when the release of methane or contamination of water is present. I don't support it unless we can require that anybody who fracks tells us exactly what chemicals they are using. So by the time we get through all of my conditions, I do not think there will be many places in America where fracking will continue to take place. And I think that's the best approach because right now there's places where fracking is going on that's not sufficiently regulated. So first, we've got to regulate everything that's currently underway, and we have to have a system in place that prevents further fracking unless the conditions like the ones I just mentioned are met. Guess who said that? Uh, on which day in history? Nope. you got to guess first, and then I'll tell you which day. Um, geez. It's on this day in history. I'm not going to give you the okay. year. Okay. Okay, you got to give me the year because nope. I give you the year every time. Come on, you at least got to. Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. I I don't know. I mean, I'm I want to say the obvious, like a Barack Obama or something like that. Sure, but... that's the right answer. No, it isn't. Here's the right answer, ladies and gentlemen. It was said on September nineteenth, twenty fifteen, in front of the renewable, in front of the Iowa Faith and Freedom Coalition banquet in Des Moines by. It can't be Donald Trump. Donald J. No Trump. Way. Yep. You know what? They're digging up a whole bunch of stuff on him. His, his uh, oh, pro-choice he, deal he, on the Well, he didn't, they didn't the dig that up. He literally just said that. He just said he that. He said it. Yeah. He just said it. He, yeah. It, it and, and apparently the Biden administration is worried about this because he is tacking. I just want to point tacking. out. I just want to point out that, that um, I don't know what I want to point out. I think out. he, but he said that before he met us and was briefed and trained by the Institute for Energy Research. So I no, actually, if you think way, about yeah. the losers who wind up in the administration, <laughs> it pretty All much right, fits. Easy. Okay. Um, what, am I not allowed to say that? Okay. So on this day in history, I'm going to skip around. In 1796, there was a farewell address. George Washington at uh, George Washington. Printed in a Philadelphia newspaper. George Washington's farewell address to the country saying, peace out, losers, I'm gone. The first U.S. president implored his country to maintain neutrality and avoid entangling alliances with Europe. Uh, when you read that, it made me think about this because I read this and it was clearly ghostwritten by Alexander Hamilton, his address. I couldn't get through it. There was like... Yeah, Hamilton wrote a it. Thousand Hamilton like, wrote words it. in a, in one sentence. With yeah, I was going to say Hamilton's the worst. Else. Hamilton's the worst like, writer ever. But you know, in the in the show, he's like, "Why do you write? Like you're running out of time. Like you're running out he's, of time." He's the worst <laughs> writer ever. He's just, actually he may be the second worst writer ever. Charles Dickens might be the worst, but but Hamilton is like pretty close. All right, on this day in 1783, what happened? It was it was it was significant. Give me a hint. Where? It was in France. In 1783. In 1783. Balloons. Boom. The Montgolfier brothers. Yeah, I want to guess that Sent part. Sent aloft a balloon. Yeah. With a rooster, a duck, <laughs> and a sheep aboard. Ah, that's where we... Okay, that's Rapidly that's advancing right. French aeronautics, the balloon floated for eight minutes and landed safely about two miles... 3.2 kilometers for all the Europeans from the launch site. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, this would have still been miles, right? Because the French Revolution didn't happen and oh, yeah, wrecked yeah. everything yet. Okay. So then uh, this day also in uh, I think my history book. in 1957. 1957. The Milwaukee Braves <clears throat> clinched no, the National it's, League pennant. It's, west. it's in the West. It's in the arid West. This happened in the arid West of Nevada. Oh, uh, the hotel, uh, what you call it? The U.S. Up detonates a 1.7 kiloton uh, nuclear bomb. weapon in an underground tunnel at the Nevada test site. Yeah. The, the test known as R Rainier was the first fully contained underground detonation and produced no radioactive fallout, to which all of these subsequent bombs happened. Russia and U.S. were doing it, and then they, they decided that they wanted to stop doing that later on. So We should test again. Nevada test site. We need to test again. Yeah, those those the ones that we have, they have to, they have to test them all in sim simulators. Yeah, they don't test them; they simulate yeah. them. Yeah, you need to test. And them. speaking of blowing things up, on this day in 1995, a gentleman named Ted oh. Theodore Kaczynski. Yeah, was that now? Uh, his manifesto was published in the New York Times. Ah, okay. Yeah, and like his brother, he said, if you don't. If you don't run it, I'm going to blow more people up. Yeah, and then his brother, his brother identified said, hey, that's him. Right that's my brother. That's my brother. And he, and he narked on him exactly. <laughs> it's just like good, like any good brother would do, right? The son of a bitch. All I can think, all I can think of at the time is that's a guy who's got a good eye for writing styles. Yeah, that's my brother. Now I will say this: uh, there was a gentleman in California who was running the California Forestry Association, who was one of the victims yeah. of that bomb, and we. You know, we were fighting the forest wars back then on the hill, and it was uh, we we had, we knew him really well, and it was pretty rough. So we joke a little, but he still killed a bunch of dudes. So, all right, uh, on that high note, I have wait, wait, we can't be done. We got to talk about college football. Oh yeah, that's right. You wanted to talk college football. Yeah, I'm ready. We got five minutes. We well, okay. We, we get, we're, right. we're sort of close. All right, I'm ready. I'll make it simple. Um, who's going to win the national championship? <clears throat> the number fifth rated. University of Southern California Trojans. Not going to happen in a million years. Are going to win the national championship. What was the last championship they won that wasn't taken back by the NCAA? Uh, 1974? No, not that. Not yes, that all those ago. ones were vacated. All those other ones were no, vacated. Just the LSU one has an asterisk on it. No, that's not true. Not all the rest of them. Yeah, I think all the rest Let of them. Let me go back and do my, do my research. Now, Florida State's got a shot. No way. But Georgia's... Georgia's the team to beat this year. So, I mean, if I went with my heart, which I usually do, I tell you what, let's do I'll this pick simple. the Trojans. Let's do the simple thing. Which four teams are going to make the playoffs? Which four teams? Okay, yeah. Texas. Texas? Mac Brown can't win anything. Mac Brown goes to North Carolina. Is he back in North Carolina? That's right. Sarkisian's at, Sarkisian's at Texas. Go ahead. Texas. Michigan. Georgia. And who else? And USC. USC. Okay. That's and good. who are your four? And then who's your winner? I hadn't really thought about the four, to be honest with you, until I just asked you. Okay. Uh, well, here's the rankings. I, 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 I got a cheat sheet. I got to think. I got to think, I gotta think George is George is going to make it just because they have no no schedule. Michigan. <sighs> yeah, not going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, I went with Michigan. Michigan's been playing. 
That's right. So I said Michigan doesn't play anyone. Okay, I but they do have Jim Harbaugh, so you know he's going to lose. So I didn't know that. So I'll, um, I'll modify. I'll go Florida State. No, no, no. It's, I'm like no, no circumstance. I'm letting anybody I'm pick Florida State. You can't Florida pick State. Florida State. Seminoles. The, the winner of the Ohio State Notre Dame game will be one of the four. No way. Yes, the winner of this Not week. This year. Yeah, the winner of this this week's Ohio State Notre Dame game is going to go. So you're going with your heart. Georgia's going to go. No, just that. That's just the way it is. The schedules are like that, right? Um, and um. I don't know. I need to think about it. USC has obviously got the easiest schedule, so they're probably a good pick. Yes, sir. All right. All right and then for the championship, yep. I, you got to think Georgia, right? They're just a lot better than anybody else. Right. It's kind of like the it's a professional, kind of like the American League East, except for the yeah. I mean, they're a professional football team for God's sake. Yeah. You know, they're just playing in the SEC. That's all. We got a closer, and it is a doozy. This was a response on MSNBC. To a tweet from Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, boy. Who said, quote, the Senate is no longer enforcing the dress code for senators to appease Fetterman. It's disgraceful. Dress code is one of society's standards that set etiquette and respect for our institutions. Stop lowering the bar. So, I mean. Yeah. DeSantis can learn a little. I was going to say. There you go. That's the answer we should have had. (laughs) And here. And here, sir, is the response from said Senator Fetterman. Uh, what, what do you say to that? Well, you know, her platform, you know, really, she runs on more and more dingling, you know, picks, you know, on uh, in the, the, the meetings uh, over in, in the Congress. So, again, uh, I, I'm not really sure why she cares how I dress, uh, but, you know, she really takes it a different way. And there you have it, folks, a succinct response from Senator Fetterman, the hoodie, the hoodie man. We're doomed. We are literally doomed. Oh, we never even talked about all this budget mess. Maybe who cares? Maybe we'll do it next week when the shrapnel, when the the dust settles this week. It'll be here. Guys, Germanicus, where are you when we need you? Oh, there's just too much to work with. It's just too much. It's, it's really like, like you say, don't worry about it. Shutdown will be here next week. Not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's it, everyone. Episode 149 in the books. Mom's